Good morning, everyone. Wonderful to see you. Well done to those who've made it. There's a whole bunch who haven't got here because of coughs and colds and being iced and snowed in at home. So well done for making it this morning um, for what is our last regular Sunday of the year before we get into all the Christmas stuff next week. Uh, last weekend, I was up in Glasgow with our friends here, Lindsay Kennedy at Glasgow Grace Church. And Lindsay were part of us, part of our team here. And four and a half years ago, we sent them off to start a new church, Glasgow Grace. And it was great to be with them. Uh, the really exciting thing about being with them, with them this time is they've secured a new venue. Over the four years they've been meeting as a church, they've changed venue on average every four months, which has been extraordinarily demanding. And they've been... Uh, They've got this venue on an indefinite, it seems, lease, which is an absolute game changer for them. It uh, looks a little bit similar in that picture to this building, but it's probably two or three times the size and uh, really God's provision for them. So it was great to see that and be encouraged by how they are doing and hopefully to encourage them as well. They send their love to all of us and they should be down here over Christmas as well. So we might even see them in person. This is our last regular Sunday of the year and that means that it's also our last... Sunday of doing church life like this, because from the new year we'll be into a new shape of things. Our plan is that on the 1st of January, which of course is a Sunday this year, that we will all be together up at Alder Road, whole church, both congregations meeting there for that Sunday to see the building and celebrate what God's done. And then January the 8th we start our new shape of life here with a congregation here at 502 and a congregation up at our building at Alder Road. And uh, I don't know about you, if you're part of the church, how you're feeling about this, but certainly I feel some nervous excitement about it as we come close to the deadline, as we have 10 days to get the building finished at Alder Road and as we prepare for life in this new shape. I do feel very excited about what God's doing as well as some sense of, ah... And uh, you might feel that as well. It's been a great year. It's been good to be together. And there's going to be some painfulness in this as well, as we don't all see each other in the same way that we have been. So uh, some nervous excitement, I think, is the best way for me to express how I'm feeling about it. And so what I want to do today, Samuel, can you just pull me back a little bit, uh, is to conclude the series we've been in this term called Prepare, and also share some news and updates to help prepare us for January. Um, Three weeks ago, Grace and I were down in Devon taking a weekend for some churches down there, and Johnny Wilkes, part of the leadership team down there, he had this prophetic picture, prophetic word for us. He said, you have been building a new venue, and I believe that it is to be a barracks. Whilst you have been preparing the building, God has been preparing an army. The barracks is a place to train, rest, recover, strengthen, but ultimately be sent out on the mission that God has called you to. So as you open the new building, look for the work that God has prepared for you. Strengthen one another, love one another, and then go in the strength of the Lord. And I thought it was a really encouraging word and picture for us in what we are doing, that God is calling us to go out as an army in this new shape of life and mission that we will have in our two congregations. Over the last few years, we've, at the start of the year, introduced a theme for the year, something we feel will help focus us in what we're called to. And uh, this year, 2022, our theme for the year was New Adventures. As we got into the building project, as we've been gathering in this building, thinking about what comes next, coming out of the pandemic, we had the sense of God stirring us in new adventures of faith. And that's, of course, not something which stops. We continue in new adventures of faith as we go forward. The theme we want to introduce for 2023 is multiply. That we are multiplying. We're multiplying our services, our, our, our locations, going to two locations. 
and we're looking for God to multiply us in all kinds of ways, to see multiplied blessings and sense of God's favor on us. And in this series, Prepare, hopefully God has been preparing our hearts for some multiplication that's to come in the days ahead. So we're wrapping it up this morning. We're at the end of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13, verses 11 to 14, the last four verses of this letter. And I'm going to break it down phrase by phrase and draw out some points from it. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. The theme of this message this morning is prepare to rejoice. Perhaps you were preparing to rejoice last night as Harry stepped up to the penalty spot and your rejoicing was quickly crushed as he hoofed it over the bar. Never mind, we still should prepare to rejoice. There are more substantial things here for us to see and rejoice in. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Second Corinthians is a letter which is full of emotion. It's a letter written in the context of tension that the Apostle Paul, who's writing this letter, and the church in Corinth uh, have not been in a good relationship together. And uh, the Apostle Paul writes an emotional letter to them to try and help resolve this situation. It's a letter which is full of warnings, things they need to change in, and encouragements about what God is doing and will do amongst them as they respond faithfully to him. And we get to the end of this emotional letter, and the conclusion is this. Rejoice. Finally, when all is said and done, rejoice. This is an act of faith to rejoice. If you look at the church in Corinth, you read the first letter to the Corinthians and the second letter to the Corinthians, you might think there's not much to rejoice in in the context of this church, but the last words of the apostle to the church are, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. What's that about? It's an act of faith. The reality is that God has moved, God has worked, God has acted in salvation, grace, He's come to them, he's redeemed them, he's rescued them, and so despite all the tensions and mess there's been in the church, they are still to rejoice in God. This is the time of year when uh, often we'll look back and think about the year as we get towards the end of things, anticipate the new year. What kind of a year has it been? What kind of a year has it been for you? What can you celebrate in the last 20, last 12 months? What What do you mourn in 2022? Whatever kind of year you've had, at the end of it, rejoice. When all said and done, rejoice. Today's the third Sunday in Advent. Christmas is two weeks away. The message of Advent is this, rejoice. It's not just be happy. Don't just be happy because there's snow and there's glitter and all the rest. No, rejoice. Why? Because Christ is coming. This is good news. Rejoice. My year, as I reflect over 2022, is a bit mixed, as I guess probably all our years are in some way. And uh, uh, 2022 for me was a better year than the previous year. 2021, I think, was the most difficult year I can remember. 2022 has not been as challenging as that. There have been some things which have been great this past year. As I look at what we've done as a church, there are some particular moments which I can particularly celebrate getting the building work started at last at Alder Road after decades of plans and dreams, and finally it's happening. And think of some of the things we've done together. Think about uh, the, 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 the advance conference we hosted in, in May, which was just wonderful, people from around the world with us. Or a real highlight for me this year was our church camp in July. Just cast your mind back to when the temperature was hitting 40 degrees and we were in, in the field and out in the forest and such a sense of family and God's presence. Pres- 
presence and pleasure upon us. There are also things I look back over this year which are more difficult, more challenging, things which haven't gone as I've wanted. One of the things I've particularly felt pain in is actually other people's pain, particularly other pastors. There's been a whole bunch of other pastors experiencing real pain, and I've been trying to help them and felt the pain of that. At the end of it all, finally, what are we to do? Rejoice. Rejoice. Now, we've been in this teaching series for the past 14 weeks. 14 weeks ago, I preached the first message in this series from 2 Corinthians 1 on the theme of prepare for trouble. And when I preached that message 14 weeks ago, I said as an illustration that even as I have been preparing that first message in this series, Prepare for Trouble, I have experienced a whole heap of trouble drop on my head. And one of the running gags we've had through this season, this, this series, is that it felt like every time we've preached to a particular theme, that thing has blown up in the week preceding what we're going to preach about. And we have had this running joke, certainly in the office at least, as we've been talking about it, that we really need to have our prepare for going to Barbados series. <laughs> Lord, make it happen. But that first message of the series was prepare for trouble, and there was a huge pile of trouble that dropped on my head the week as I was preparing that. At the time, I couldn't tell you what it was. I can give you something of an update now, and this is going to be a bit of a shock for you, especially those of you who are members of the church who've been here regularly and know nothing about this. But at the end of August, in that week before the first in this series, Prepare for Trouble, we discovered that we as a church had been victims of a significant financial fraud. That actually, pretty much all our money, all our reserves, all the vision fund to pay for the building, had all been taken. And that was, as you can imagine, a significant trouble that had fallen on our heads. The amazing thing is that the plan was that this week, at the end of this series, the theme for today's message would be prepare to rejoice. And somehow in God's timing and grace, I got an email from the bank this past week saying, we are intending to refund all the money that was taken from you. Yeah, a round of applause. Now, one of the difficult things in this process has been, and this might be the first thing that comes to your mind, why didn't we know? And as a pastor, what I would have most loved to have done that very first day I found out about this was to call the church together, to go to war in prayer and to be in it together. We were not able to do that for a number of reasons, uh, including the fact there was obviously an investigation going on with the bank and with the police, and there needed to be some confidentiality around that. We were also cautious about not wanting the story to get into the media and the ramifications of that. Uh, there's also sensitivity around our contractors because we didn't want the contractor to get nervous and walk off site if they didn't think they were going to get paid. So for those reasons and for others, we have not been able to talk with you about this, even though that's what I would most want it to have done. Uh, I'm intending to send out a letter this week with some more information about all this to all church members. And of course, if you've got questions, you can come to me or any of the other elders or trustees. Uh, elders and trustees and finance team have been carrying this together for 14 weeks now and have done a magnificent job in that. But it has been a real, uh, a real weight, a real burden for the team. And uh, it was a great relief when we got the email from the bank this week saying that they're planning to give us all the money back. Prepare for trouble and prepare to rejoice. 
do think that actually part of why the Lord has allowed us to go through this is to prepare us. That if you go through really difficult things and aren't crushed by them, actually you can grow some muscle. And I think as the Lord prepares us for this next stage of our life and ministry and mission as a church together, that actually by coming through what has been a very tough three months, God has given us some extra spiritual muscle to pack a heftier spiritual punch. So let's trust him for that. Okay. Second thing, strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. Church in Corinth was a church which was characterized by all kinds of divisions and conflicts. And so the Apostle Paul writes to them and says, strive or aim for restoration. Work at restoration. And the reality is that if you are in conflict, it's much easier to walk away. It's much easier just to say, it's too, it's too difficult to try and resolve this. Let's just walk away. Let's not bother. But Paul says that they are to strive, aim for full restoration. And it, it, this isn't just a case of a couple of members in the church who aren't getting on. Actually, the whole church has fallen from God's grace in terms of how they conducted themselves. And so in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 13, Paul says, My prayer is that you may be fully restored, you, the whole church, because actually you as a congregation are not living in God's grace as you should. Aim for full restoration. Be the church you're meant to be. Now, I think by God's grace, we are not a congregation that is characterized by great division, but where there is, if there's tensions that come, if there's offense that is taken, let's aim for full restoration. And if there are any areas of our life and experience as a church where we're not living as fully in the grace of God as we should, let's aim that we would be fully restored. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Now, we all need encouragement. It's a basic human need to be encouraged, find encouragement through what we've gone through with this finance thing, I, I had some low moments, particularly a, a, about a month in, beginning of October, I was at, at, at my lowest ebb with it, and I was really pulled out of a bit of a hole I was in by the encouragement of others. That happened when I was in a team meeting with other guys from the advance team, and Alan Frau from California was in the room, and we were talking about what's going on, and uh, I was at my lowest point and thinking that I might have to resign and the building project wouldn't be able to go ahead and get completed and all the rest. And Alan looked at me and he said, the trouble is because you're taking this so personally, responsibly, what happens with you, Matt, is that when that happens, you lose your sense of joy and your confidence and your cool and you need to change. And that felt like, um, in some ways, a rebuke. But actually, it was an encouragement because what Alan and the other guys did in that moment was really to spiritually grab hold of my arms and pull me out of the hole I was in. And I can honestly say that since then, I've not been in that place of anxiety and stress, although it's still been very pressured with what's been going on. Encouragement, in a sense, rescued me. And we all need to experience encouragement. That uh, prophecy I read from Johnny Wilkes at the beginning was written on a little card like this. As you came in, you should have got one of these. Just a note to say, beautiful picture of old Harry we live in an amazing place. On the back is a verse from 1 Thessalonians. Encourage one another and build each other up. And uh, one of the things we'd like to encourage you in is to actively push into encouragement. Encouragement has to be 
actively pursued. And this is a little way to help us do that, that you can take a few of these. And over the next couple of weeks, as we're in this Christmas season, as we prepare for January, write a little note to encourage somebody. Maybe seek God, maybe get a prophetic picture or word for somebody. Write down an encouragement to give to somebody. Actively seek to encourage and bless. Something else which we're going to launch in the new year and we'll talk more about over the next few weeks is that we want to uh, refresh the way that we do our Bible reading. So many of us over the last few years have been part of what we call community Bible reading where we're in little groups, we read scripture together and we uh, in WhatsApp groups and share what God's saying and some of those groups working better and others a bit quiet and all the rest. We want to give that a bit of a refresh and so next week we will have uh, books available called Bread. This is a, a, a structure to help us read our Bibles, be still, read, encounter, apply, and devote, and we'll explain more of what that means. Uh, again, we want to encourage people to be in groups, to read together and share and encourage one another, uh, but this is going to be a bit different from our CBR groups because it's just going to be working through the New Testament. So the plan is that from January uh, through to December next year, we read through the, Old Testament to, uh, the New Testament together, and there's also a psalm to read at the weekends. But reading scripture is a key way of finding encouragement and encouraging one another. So we want to help one another to get into the word of God that we might uh, meet Jesus and encourage each other in that. Encourage one another and be of one mind and live in peace. The church in Corinth had been a divided congregation, but Paul wants them to experience unity, a unity that transcends their differences. There were great differences in the congregation. It's a congregation that was reflected the city of Corinth. There were a few who were wealthy. There were some who were slaves. There were people with all kinds of issues and stuff going on in their lives. And in all the differences they experienced, he wanted them to experience the greater reality of the unity of Christ. We need to pursue that unity together and the peace that is ours in Christ. And we know that peace is ours because Christ triumphs over evil, which means that we can live in peace. And we choose to live. We need to choose to live in that reality now. As we go to two congregations in January, that creates opportunity for mission. That's why we're doing it. We're not just trying to increase our property portfolio. That's not what it's about. We're looking to increase our mission footprint in BCP and beyond. But being in two congregations also creates space potentially for separation and division. It might be that we start to hear things. We think, what are they doing down there? What's going on up there? Why are they doing that? It might be that there's space created for division to come, and we need to be alert to that and the schemes of the enemy in these things. And so we need to actively choose the way of unity and peace. We need to understand that as we have a congregation here, Harvard to Ashley Road, and a congregation at Alder Road, that we're not in competition with one another. We are working together in the mission that God has called us to, moving forward in unity and peace, moving forward in one mind, encouraging each other. Let's do that. Next thing we see, next instruction we see here is, the God of love and peace will be with you. The God of love and peace will be with you. Our ultimate security is that God is with us. God, who is love and peace. To know God in Christ is to be brought into a living relationship with a loving God. And that means that we can experience a reality of love and peace in the midst of the other realities of life. 
And I was in Glasgow last week, they'd asked me to speak on the theme of peace as part of an Advent series. And as I was uh, praying for them, preparing to go up, I felt the Lord drop this phrase into my mind. The peace we have isn't the peace of the cessation of war, but calm confidence in the midst of ongoing conflict. Christ brings us into peace. Coming into relationship with God is to be brought into peace. God is the God of love and peace. But we still experience in our lives often conflict. But in the midst of that conflict, we know peace. And actually, peace and conflict are very often two sides of the same coin. Romans 16.20 says, The God of peace will soon crush, that's violent, will crush Satan under your feet. And the Christian experience is that as we live in this world, we often experience conflict. We experience conflict in the world and we experience conflict in our own lives. But in the midst of that, we can know peace because we know God who loves us. And so in what we've been going through over the last 14 weeks, and in the conflict of that with this financial fraud, and it has felt like a real fight, I can honestly say that I've also been able to lean into the love and peace of God and experience that reality. That in the realities of the conflicts of life, we experience the greater reality of the love and peace of the God who has called us into relationship with himself. Then says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And for the non-huggers, this is perhaps the most challenging verse in the Bible. It's an explicit instruction. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And you might be thinking, no, thank you. (laughs) Don't want to do that. Just keep your distance. What does it mean? What are we meant to do with it? I think the thing to see here is that... um, Obviously, it's cultural in terms of how you express greeting to other people. But the bigger point here is that what Paul's urging is something, an affection which crosses social and cultural lines. The church in Corinth was a church that was divided, and it was a church which did have people from different cultural, ethnic, social backgrounds. So to an extent far greater than probably than we can even imagine. So we think of our world with its ethnic and racial and cultural back differences and all those kind of things, but they were probably much more real in this context, not, not least because you would have had people who were wealthy businessmen in the church, and also you'd have had people who were literal slaves. And what the instruction of Scripture to them is, is to greet one another with a holy kiss. What is that about? It's about there being genuine affection which crosses the most extraordinary social divisions that the rich business person and the person in slavery can have a genuine affection for one another. Now, there's all kinds of questions that throws up for us, of course. But see with the point, there's an affection which is meant to be experienced in this congregation which transcends all the differences. Karl Barth, famous theologian, apparently was once asked, will we see our loved ones in the life to come? And his answer was, yes, and the other ones too. And that's the point. That in church life, you're not just with your loved ones, you're with the other ones too. That in church life, we're called to show genuine affection to those with whom we would not normally hang out, would not naturally click, but there's to be a genuine affection amongst us which transcends all our differences, whatever they are, cultural, ethnic, whatever they are. Greet one another with a holy kiss. There's also a sense, I think, in which this instruction is an instruction to honor one another. You think about how when Charles recently became king, 
Uh, people who are working for him have to kiss his hand. The prime minister kisses the hand of the prime minister. Why? It's a sign of honor, of recognizing authority. And in this instruction to greet one another with a holy kiss, I think there's something of that sense of honor as well, that you're showing honor to other people. You're showing honor to those whom you wouldn't normally show honor, that the wealthy business person shows honor to the slave girl. In our context, we show one another honor. And so when this instruction comes to greet one another with a holy kiss, really what it's encouraging is a culture in the church of affection and honor. And that's a culture which we want here at Gateway. Genuine affection for one another and genuine honoring of each other. And being in the room is an important part of that, that you're here. It gives you an opportunity to show affection, to show honor in whatever is culturally appropriate for you, whether it is a kiss on the cheek or whether it's a hug or whether it's a handshake or whether it's a wave from five yards away. But actually in the room, thank God we're not doing Zoom meetings anymore where it's difficult to greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here send their greetings. Apostle Paul is writing this letter from Macedonia. Um, Nathaniel read at the start of our service from the letter to the Philippians, one of the Macedonian churches, a church which was famous for its joyfulness. The churches in Macedonia were model churches. Paul references them earlier in this letter and says, Corinthians, you need to learn from the Macedonians. They're a model to you in how they live. And they send their greetings. But actually, the greeting is even broader than just for the Macedonian churches. In the NIV translation, which we're using, it says, all God's people here in Macedonia send their greetings. But that here has been inserted by the translators. Most of the tra other translations don't have the here. It's just all God's people, all the saints, all the churches, all the churches, all God's people send their greetings, all of them around the world send their greetings to you. Why, why does Paul send this greeting? I think it's because the Corinthian church had become particularly introspective. They were particularly focused on their own issues and problems and divisions and all the rest. And Paul wants to remind them that they're part of something bigger. Hey, Corinthians, remember that you're not in this on your own. There's a whole wide world of people, other saints out there who are in mission with you, part of a wider family. One of the blessings that we've had this year is of friends from around the world being with us. We've had friends from the States and South Africa and Australia and Nepal and India and Uganda and Madagascar come and be amongst us and minister amongst us and help us and encourage us. And we need to remember the bigger picture that as we prepare to go into our two buildings, two congregations in January, actually that's not all it's about. No, we're part of a wider family, a bigger partnership. We're holding hands with our brothers and sisters around the world. Remember that next Sunday as we have an international carol service that helps remind us of the bigger picture we're part of. People from different backgrounds, different nationalities represented. All God's people send their greetings. And then the last verse of this, at the, right at the end of the letter, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This letter to the Corinthian church starts with the blessing of grace. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The letter begins with the blessing of grace and it ends with the blessing of grace. The Christian life is grace through and through. The Christian life is unmerited favor upon unmerited favor. That we know the God of love and peace not because of anything that we have done but because of what he has done. We receive the blessing of God's grace. 
And this is a Trinitarian blessing, and that's important. There is one God, but God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in this Trinitarian blessing, to be reminded of what's happening at the moment as we move towards Christmas, there's a Trinitarian blessing in Christmas. What's Christmas about? It's about God the Father, who intended for his Son to come, that we might be brought into relationship with him. It's about the Holy Spirit, who Luke tells us overshadowed Mary, that she conceived and bore a son. It's about Jesus, God made flesh, who lived amongst us as a man, died in our place, that we might be reconciled to God and brought into life with him. It's because of this blessing, this Trinitarian blessing, the work of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, it's because of this that we can rejoice. The blessing spoken over us is one of grace and of love and of fellowship. And so, rejoice, finally, at the end of it all, brothers and sisters, rejoice. At the end of 2022, whatever that's looked like for you, rejoice. Whatever's going on in life, whatever conflicts you're experiencing, turn to the God of love and peace and rejoice. In the midst of the difficulties of life, experience the blessing of God, this blessing of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let's rejoice. Lord God, thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you in this season of Advent. Christmas just around the corner. Thank you that we can step into, proclaim, live in the truth of this blessing, of your love for us, of the fellowship you've called us into with you and with your saints, your people around the world, with the grace that is ours. Thank you that our Christian life is grace through and through. I pray for us, Lord, that we would step into that more and more. I pray as we prepare for the new year and a fresh season, that would be people who have a confidence in what is ours, the grace that is ours in God, the love that is ours, and the fellowship that is ours, and that we would be a people who rejoice in you. At the end of it all, we might rejoice because of who you are and what you've done. In your name we ask it, Lord. Amen.